The following is a live broadcast of the Lone Star Community Radio Program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hey, this is Jamie from Green River Ordnance. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. All right. Uh, welcome to Dick and Skippy in the Mornings here on Lone Star Community Radio. It is the 24th of July, 9.03, broadcasting live in the downtown Conroe studios. IRLoneStar.com worldwide, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and of course on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy slash live. Join us there for our video feed. Uh, and then we also post everything to podcasts, YouTube, and all that good stuff. You can call or text at any time at 936 228 9368. And don't forget to join us every Monday, Wednesday, Friday here on Lone Star Community Radio with Dick and Skippy in the mornings. Hey, Skippy, how you doing? Good morning, Dick. I'd be rocking and rolling. How about you? Doing good. It's a nice Friday. It's beautiful today. I think it's the calm before the storm because, you know, there's a storm coming. Oh, you're talking about the tropical thing? The tropical thing. Yeah, we're supposed to go to Galveston next weekend for Holly's birthday. And I told her, like, I guess we have a a good excuse to stay inside even though there's COVID. I was like, there you go. It's probably going to be raining. I'm telling you, there's some Shakespearean weird stuff going on out there. So, you know, I'm directing The Tempest for the Woodland Shakespeare Festival, outdoor festival, slated to go up in September. Can I just go ahead and cancel it for you? No. Okay. Because we could always, you know, wrap ourselves in bubble wrap. So The Tempest is about, you know, big storm, shipwreck, stuff like that. Well, one of the characters in it, main character is named Gonzalo. And the day after, you know, we started, I cast the show, what forms in the Atlantic? Tropical Storm Gonzalo. And now the one that's in uh, the Gulf heading our way for this weekend, that's Hannah. And, of course, Hannah is one of the actresses I just cast in this show. You're, you're trying to connect to me, Doc. No, I'm telling you. It, it, it's it's like Macbeth, but Tempest style. You know, i got to see what's next. We are, we are responsible for for this that's fine no i mean in a good way we're not going to pay any damages i'm just saying you know yeah you gotta be careful what you say it's the magic of shakespeare so all right man you ready for the weekend i am ready for the weekend i I really am it's been a it's been a fun week a full week uh the missus and i spent a lot of yesterday uh running errands for my mom which included trips to two home depots and one walmart and two garden centers sound unorganized well, my mother received as a gift a cactus that right now is very small, but apparently this is one of those Arizona cactuses that grow to like 40 feet tall. So she's wanting to plant it, and there are very specific instructions on the size, shape, and color of the the, the, the bowl, the cauldron to hold it, the big pot. 
the number of holes drilled in the bottom of it, the uh, the soil to be used, how much you know sand, Man, the length the, the of the hose. The adventures you go on. I'm telling so you, it was it was an odyssey. My yeah. friend, it, it went beyond at, at about 11:45. It segued from <laughs> adventure into odyssey. But we uh, fair enough. But my wife did find uh, Deacon Baldy's. She had never heard of it before. Yeah, that's a cool place. And one of the places we went to was right next door to it. There's like zero parking there. Well, there was there was plenty of parking yesterday, unfortunately. But definitely, they were well, open for well, business. I meant, more, I meant more for like for an outdoor place. Yes. Like. Yeah, there's no. But ha- have you have you partaken of the Deacon Baldy's experience? Yeah, I love it. It's good. It's yeah, good. I love it. They're, they're, the they're doing something very similar across the street here. You know that Sonic is. Yeah. Yeah, to the left of it, uh, there's, okay. they're building one of this like, very similar. All right. So I think it's like two or three food trucks they're going to put there and all that kind of stuff. So that was that. So that that was yesterday. Well, cool. Today, getting some work done this weekend. Going to get a lot of theater type stuff done online and. Well, off. fair enough, yeah. man. Yeah, a couple of the plays that I wrote are actually being done this weekend on a Zoom production thing. So that'll be fun to listen in on. I guess. Yeah, I presume you're going to be bowling. I'll do that. Yeah, we were going to do that Empress Cruise, but. You know, I know, now, I know. So. It was personal. I actually phoned that one in. I told them, you really want to be going out Well, Holly to kept see bugging people? me, and I was like, I can't believe they can't be open, but that's just the way the rules are. Do you want me to try and rent a canoe or something and, and, and try and, to... And, and have me on it with you? Well, I was thinking with Holly, yeah. I could be... Oh, I could do like the uh, the uh, gondolin guy in a little gondola in Venice. You, you know, gotta sing that Italian song. Just like, one cornetto. No, is it when the moon hits your eye? Like when it, the moon yeah, hits you, you that or oh, sole mio. Oh, yeah, I, I got you covered. And you guys can reenact that scene from Lady and the Tramp where you put a put the spaghetti in each end and meet in the middle. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. I could, I could so see that happening. Okay. Well, uh, we got a special guest in here. We're kind of, we got to let him, let him know, but we got to let people know. We have Jay Stilberg in the studio, guys, and he's going to be here as long as he can be. <laughs> as, long, um, as long as he can stand it. I mean, there is a lot going on, and so uh, welcome, Jay. Jay, hey, man. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. I'm just setting you up real quick. Let me do, let me do <laughs> it's right. a setup. Great. Run. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Well, I'm chained to this chair. I don't think I can get out. If... <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's like the ankle bracelet I've got on. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the studio, yeah, man. Yeah. Good to be I'm here. I'm excited. There's a lot of stuff going on. I was telling Jay prior to the uh, going live here, I went on a deep dive of uh, protest slash riot videos because they're, they're slowly releasing the body cam footage of different, uh, mm-hmm. like when the riots happened, you know, a month, two months ago. And it's really interesting to see what's going on on the ground when during these kind of things. And then what the coolest video I found, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the link. So Chicago police put together a video, a compilation video, showing how the antagonizers organize. And it's like a helicopter view of, like, you see them, they point out, like, this is when they get behind the actual protest, and they, they blend in, and then they have, like, umbrellas to hide themselves from the top. They change clothes real quick in the middle of the protest, and then they scatter, and they create, and how they're able to move things. And it was really organized. It was kind of weird watching it from like a tactical view. But the Conroe, uh, not the Conroe, the uh, Chicago Police Department put together to show you how these people are infiltrating actual protests, like peaceful protests. I would like to see that to check out the. I got to make sure it's in context because when, unfortunately, when there are compilation videos, that equals editing, which means you can edit however you wish. So well, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious when like. 10 people get together to cover other people, and then all of a sudden they're all wearing black. 
Oh yeah, and then you see them I'm bring sure this up video coolers. Has the context. That's what then they have coolers and they're handing out cans to throw, and so it's kind of obvious. Maybe they're those cans filled with coins that the uh, dog obedience places tell you to do. Well, they were saying what they would throw is like frozen water yeah. bottles, yeah, and frozen cans, and then. Well, they're definitely agitators, and unfortunately, Jay, you know, dive in on this conversation at will. There's such a schism going on that even though we can all agree there are just total poopy heads yeah <laughs> agitating this but it's like well they're republican poopy heads. no they're democrat poopy heads. you know it's like can we just agree they're idiots and well, band together to get rid of them well what's strange to me about the whole deal is like there's got to be a level of expectation when you go to a protest and like what your goals are and the dialogue <laughs> that's presented right yeah i'm sorry i'm just laughing at ted wheeler <laughs> well that's what but, uh, well that's what i'm saying it's like when you're that ending was inevitable i'm sorry i just felt that that ending was inevitable but then you have like like what i love are the ones where you have the standoff the classic protest standoff between the police line and then the protest line and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like oh it's 10 p.m everyone's got to be off the street please leave and then like they do it for about five minutes ten minutes no one's moving and then it's like it's like a chicken run after that and i always go like i wonder what goes through people's heads where it's just like oh they mean us oh and then like but do you think i get a strong sense that a lot of this is the very infantile games that we played with kids where i'm not touching you i'm not touching you i'm not touching you you know and i can't help but remember uh I used to watch The Apprentice back in the day because it was just a garbage fire. I loved watching Lord of the Flies in the boardroom every weekend, which is what it was, just how people would turn on each other in a heartbeat. And they kept on bringing that woman back. What's her name? Omarosa? Omarosa? I guess. Okay. And she was, of course, groomed to be the villain, but, I mean, she didn't have to act hard for it. And there was this one scene where she's in the backseat of the car with two people. One of them is black like her. And the other was a white guy. And she started playing not only the race card, but getting the whole over-talking, getting, you know, yeah. getting your face, poking at the nose, until the fi- guy finally stabs her. Well, you back off. Like, ah, see? Your white rage right there. And I just... And people on the other side do it, too. You know, this is not a colorblind... Or this is a colorblind issue. And it just bugs... It's so infantile that people... A lot of these standoffs will be how close can I get throwing flowers on or, you know, making faces. It's like the idiots outside Buckingham Palace messing with the beef eaters. Yeah. You know, the guards that can't do anything. When when you know the other guy can't do anything about it, because if he does, it's on video, and he could conceivably now be hauled up on felony murder charges just for responding to what in a normal situation would be a response. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of happy it's not happening here. Because I can't imagine doing your day-to-day life stuff, and you're like, oh, my God, deal with well, this. Well, let me ask you, Jay, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to—this isn't a setup question. Like, <laughs> when, I, when I ask the, the cities that are really experiencing this tend to be blue cities, but I, I, I'm not going down that hole. I'm saying, you just what did. is it about— You just did. No, what is I mean, it about on, why Chicago and not Conroe? Or Houston, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what is it about these cities taking out the fact that there's a Democrat mayor? Because I really don't, I don't say think that the particular mayor at this particular time is causing this. So, yeah, you know, I don't know, know what the reason is. I mean, I think obviously cities that have larger populations, there's obviously more people. There's a bigger pool of people that that are going to come, and they don't have to travel that far to, to get there, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't really think. <laughs> 
My personal opinion is I don't think it has anything to do with what political party, you know, the leadership and the local government is, because when really when we look across the United States, most heavily populated cities are run by Democrats. And that's just the nature of, of how our city system is kind of set up. You find and many people don't realize that Houston has <clears throat> been pretty blue more often than not. You know, you had Anise Parker, mm-hmm. who I had the pleasure of knowing for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had the so we elected Houston elected the first openly gay mayor in the nation, I believe. Houston, you know, we have Lee Brown, you know, we've had uh, Sylvester Turner. So, you know, the, the color barrier is knocked down. Mm-hmm. And so people think Houston, a bunch of redneck yahoos. It's like not as much. And of yeah. course, governor wise, we had Ann Richards and, and others. I just think large population centers are more prone to, to activities but, like that, quite frankly. So what's shielding Houston from going not at being at that point at this time? I'm not saying yeah. anything probably, could flare probably up. Probably because we're in Texas. But what, that's what I'm going, what is that that makes us impervious, special? I mean, I think it's also the mentality of people in the area because like, I'd be interested to know when these riots happen, how many people actually live there who are rioting. Well, and it's hard to import 60,000 people into a place, so well, it, but but you see, only need 600 only needs, to rowdy yeah, up the other 59,000. like 10 people to dump some cans on the ground and you well, get people to start throwing them. I mean, I'm not so convinced that, you know, a lot of the just protesters that are there for the right reasons and mm-hmm. doing the right things. I think, you know, my opinion is mo- majority of them are probably local. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would be more prone to say that uh, the agitators that come in are potentially the ones that are really from out of town. Oh, that's what I, saying. That's what yeah. I meant. Like, because, I mean, I know like if Houston had a protest you know there's going to be a wide area of people going to Houston. We can to join sniff the out a Yankee. We can sniff out a New Yorker. <laughs> well, no, no, well, not even that. Like, people in Conroe probably went to Houston for protests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like there's a lot of people in the outskirts, or I would say Houston, that would go to Houston to participate, not necessarily to be an agitator, but to participate. Yeah. But I think it's also the mentality of people in Texas and then also in Houston. That's It's more – it always seems more organized. Mm-hmm. In a sense, and that might be on a police level, that might be at the organization level, but Houston's always had a very interesting civil rights group mm-hmm. because you had the the spectrum of like what was his name, no, was like Bob Quanell X, Quanell X, is that yeah? Because you had that guy who's like the the mini Al Sharpton of Houston, but like it gave you a guidance of what was going on, and he never really got out of hand, and yeah. never really in the history of Houston never got out of hand. I think it's just because of the mentality of people in Houston. And no, I think the agitators know they're they're really organized, and I think they know what cities to go to and where they can get away. Could with it be it. the knowledge that if I try to rowdy up a group of Texans, the odds of many of them being armed and ready well, to use I'm their saying. guns it's on the mentality me? Of it, like, it's like like this guy isn't going to tell you to stop; he's going to make you stop, and it's going to or she is or whatever, and it's going to be kind of one of those things where they probably know, hey, it's easier to go to Portland or easier to go here. Because their laws are different, we can get out. There's no bail. Like you can disappear. Like, yeah, I can't see the no bail thing happening in Houston anytime soon. I know that happened. Didn't that happen with a bunch of the protesters? They got out. Like, well, no. There's one thing to arrest someone and then yeah. release them after 48 hours because yeah. you know lack of evidence or yeah. the drunk tank, as it were. <laughs> um, but there's the others to say, okay, yes, you were guilty of multiple misdemeanors and maybe a felony or two. But our policy is, I cannot charge bail 
you're you're out. But I, I bet I bet a lot of the agitators are are a lot of smart dudes, and they know they know the law, and they know where they can go. Oh yeah, it, it is and organized, know. and it's just not germane if they are far left or far right agitators. It, it doesn't matter. There comes a point when you know you have a mercenary. You don't wonder what their personal convictions are. They're a mercenary. It doesn't matter who they voted for or you know yeah. what god they may or may not worship. It's they do this for the money and the joy of the thrill. Well, and the other, you know, the other part of it for me at least as an observer um, of a lot of what's gone on is is to me this is very similar. The fact that there's agitators and what yeah. we see on the news is that. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, we don't we don't typically see on the news just a peaceful protest of people walking around and nothing happening, right? That's not what we see on the news. Um, even though, you know, I'll probably say that a majority, if you go around a different protest, that's probably what you'll see if you go to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the stuff I've gone to in the past, I mean, I've never seen anything like chaos and, and well, riots. Houston make the, didn't make well, the news for that but, reason. But to me, to me, it's, you know, agitators, I mean, I think the goal of, of all of that is much, I'll be honest, it's similar to... Uh, the whole Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem issue. I mean, they, they diverted the attention and, and the rationale from what the actual cause was to, you know, um, oh, it's in that case, you hate veterans. disrespecting yeah. veterans and disrespecting our flag and all that. And, and this is, you know, the same thing. I mean, most of these people are, you know, uh, protesting racial injustice and and those types of things. And unfortunately, the agitators, when they get in there, it changes the narrative. And then people don't talk about Black Lives Matter. Or they don't talk about any of that stuff. What they talk about is, oh, look at the chaos that's going on in these cities and, yeah. and, and those types of things. Yeah, it right? the so, headlines. so it directs the narrative. And that's why Houston did not make the news, because I felt that we had 60,000 people ground zero for George Floyd. The funeral was if there if there was going to be a powder keg, Houston should have been it, outside of New York, or um, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, sorry, I had New York on the brain outside of Minneapolis, and it didn't. And so I believe the funeral caught passing national attention at best, and certainly the protests here didn't, because nothing happened. And, and I've said this many times: is they gotta you don't don't have to sell headlines; you have to outsell your competitors' headlines, and you have to do it twenty four seven. The Nielsen's well, even, go every even hour. With the current coverage of what's going on in the country, like I still don't really see the impact of of a nation. I'd be interested to get people's opinions about how that affects them. Because when I see this stuff in like Portland and things, I'm like, man, I'm glad I don't live there. That's pretty much the number one thought I have because that's when I'd be like, I gotta move my family. Like this is crazy. I don't want to be a part of this area because this is what's happening right now. And I, I wonder how many people feel that way. And then that's, and then also it's like, well, how does this impact us as a country? Because it's kind of crazy seeing like a mini civil war in a sense. We're fighting each other, and that's what thing I, I kind of get disheartened with. I was like, well, that kind of sucks. Like they're sitting there bashing a building because of what they think it represents. Well, so so many things in t- today's world is uh, unfortunately about division, yeah, and 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 putting you know one group of people against another group of people. I mean, we've, we've certainly even seen it... Lo- Spoken like a true liberal, Jay yeah. Stittleberg. Well, I mean, we've we've certainly seen it in local issues, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw it with, you know, the what was happening with the, the residents that live around Lake Conroe versus the residents that live around Lake Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it right what here in our own what, what community. What happened with that? 
Um, Which lake was better? Well, Lake Conroe opened up. Oh. Well, this is, and I'm talking more about, you know, flooding issues. And oh, the okay. oh, River oh Authority I, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the, you know, the public hearings that were going on. Yeah, with the yeah. River Authority. I mean, I went to, I went to probably the last one they had before they had everything a, went crazy. Right. And I mean, it was, it was over at the Lone Star Convention Center here in Conroe. And I mean, there was probably 1500 people there, but, but, you know, and I got up and I spoke, I took my, my two or three minutes or whatever they gave you. And I mean, I kind of lambast them for, for pitting residents against residents and not really looking to solve the problems. Yeah. Right. Because it's easier to sit back as a elected official and, and pit, you know, put something out there that pits residents versus residents and just sit back instead of actually doing the work to try to fix the problem. And, and that's what I see going on with, with that kind of stuff. They're not trying to fix the problem. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to delay fixing the problem because, you know, fixing the problem might not fit the narrative of their political <laughs> party or whatever. put you out of a job. Or, or whatever, you know, and, and, yeah, maybe it'll put you out of a job. I mean. Well, you got to, you also have to understand, I, I say there is a level of expectation that people are still going to do what they're doing in a sense of pro, like doing the uh, rioting kind of stuff. Because you can't respond to a big issue like police reform in within a week. Like, that's just nope. something that's you can't really do but those people don't care like i don't think they that, don't care if that, that issue gets resolved yeah they not. don't that's not yeah, their they're goal. gonna show up that's not their purpose and they're gonna cause those problems and i think that's and i think what a big issue we face as a country is it's so easy to blame someone like donald trump for everything and i think that became kind of like the the spreadable butter of it's like it's just so easy it's like hey it's it's up it's up to him and i mean like when it came to this whole Fed story for the past two weeks, I was always wondering if we're always sending Feds regardless of like a riot, because they're making a point where it's like, oh, it's supposed to help, you know, gun control or something like. So what did they do before? They didn't send that. Like no, there weren't any federal. There wasn't any FBI there beforehand. I was kind of confused about the pushback from the our public uh, representatives saying stuff like that, because I was like, it's not like they're sending all of a sudden like, oh, we're going to send five hundred of these people in. And you're going to deal with it. I'd love to get Jay's well, perspective on this first. Well, the Department of Homeland Security, I mean, they have a specific mission, right? I mean, that, that department was created after 9-11. And they have specific missions, which is very focused on terrorism, right, and anti-terrorism uh, efforts. Uh, and they do have the Federal Protective Service that's part of the Department of Homeland Security. And, and they're tasked with protecting federal buildings. And there's always, you know, every federal building is typically going to have somebody from the Federal Protection Agency. That's so there. like the Social Security office so, down the street? Well, it, is depends that considered? On what, uh, it depends on what kind of, you know, building we're talking about. Okay, right? I was just curious. I mean, you know, if a building is not a high-risk building, the odds of somebody, you know, certainly multiple people being stationed there is probably low. Right. But if you talk about federal courthouses and that kind of stuff, I mean, then you're, you're, you're going to have some of that. And, you know, the, the bottom line is, is, you know, if they need to increase the security at a, at a, at a federal building, then sure, you know, send more people. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. The problem the problem that, uh, you know, comes from like what's going on now is that they are not just standing on the grounds of these federal buildings and trying to protect them. They're now going in the streets and actively engaging yeah right i mean when, when, when you have the acting secretary of that department going on national tv saying we're proactively arresting people mm -hmm. yeah maybe you should go read the constitution we don't proactively arrest people in the United States. Well, because what's funny, we I, don't go grab people off. Well, the is there a difference and put between, them in a van? <clears throat> is there a difference between proactive and, and, and preemptive? Take and take them somewhere. If they are not doing anything and you have no reason to detain them, you cannot detain them. 
that is not how this country works. But has there been examples of, and I'm asking for real, of those who have just been standing around not doing, because remember with the camera may catch someone just standing there, but hasn't caught five minutes before them. Oh, sure. I, 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 I don't disagree with you. Because I, I saw the the DHS uh, assistant director, I think, talking the other day saying, when we go on the streets, we are going after those who previously had done this. We're not just grabbing people off the streets and throwing them in a paddy wagon. Well, I guess that's a hard thing because when, you, when you're faced with this situation of this chaos and say, like, and, and that's what's so wild to me is they have these barricades and like, it's almost like they're. It's like a an old school castle bombardment where they mm-hmm. send like four over the ledge to test the waters. Yeah, and I don't know why they like they just start sending a couple people over, and of course, then they start crying because they get grabbed. And I'm like, well, what's going on right now? Like, that's what? all you're touch, not touching you, and then when the second they slap your hand away, oh, you touch me. <laughs> but then when the when they break the fence, it's kind of like there are no rules anymore. When the whole fence is thrown down it's like yeah well what do you do mm-hmm. and, and that is the question because it's going to get down literally the, the case of the two lawyers the, the, the elderly white couple brandishing their gun to yeah. those outside their gate it's literally going to get down to a courtroom rule well rule of law on how much of what person's body was over this line you know there seriously this case is going to rely on city engineer uh or county engineer what what's the thing when you work out your flood zones like and, a plat yeah it's going to get down to if somebody's toe was over this line, then these two are not guilty. And the, I mean, one thing these situations bring is a bunch of video coverage. And so, I mean, there's got to be something helping out that and trying to you know learn the truth. But then again, I'll, it's, it's what well, sometimes the lack of video coverage speaks more than anything else. You know, if no one can produce, there must have been 500 cameras going at that time. Yeah, that's what I was saying. If like nothing, I, if only one or two surfaces, then. The other 498 just don't show what you want them to show. So, and that's so it, it's telling. And unfortunately, with all these situations that's happening, you know, you know, the provocateurs, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the people that go in and change their clothes. The people that just, this is people that, you know, they're, if they're, if the trolls, they're going to try to get confronted and then they're going to try to escalate well, that's the situation, what I feel, right? That's a, like for those Portland videos, that's what I feel like everyone there's doing. Because it's probably like 10.30, 11 p.m., and there's fires. I mean, it looks like a, like a dystopian future movie yeah. intro. And it's like, we want food. We're dying. That's what it looked like. I was like, man, this is nuts. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, why would I be there right now? Like, I don't see any reasonable person who's trying to protest, trying to understand how this is going to construct dialogue and make change. Yeah. And it's, I can understand if it's like 8 p.m. and it's you know it's you're marching the streets, you're letting yeah. people know. But then at that point, I'm like, they're literally just setting up barricades so people don't burn this building down. Yeah. And because they would if they could. Well, I find it non-coincidental that a lot of this fervor is happening on the heels of a months-long, not not just a lockdown, but just the uncertainty of what's going to kill us. And you know what I'm saying? And then the powder keg of forcing people in. And, of course, and that becomes the, the you can have my mask when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers and so forth and so on. Yeah, and I'm so thankful for video cameras. <laughs> so there's a lot of great videos so, out there. But I think it's a, a powder keg going down. Yeah. And one topic I want to talk uh, to Jay about, because I know this is a, a, a passion of his, um, you know, the, I think the secondary issues of any lockdown, I know that, like, suicide rates, which are already, unfortunately, very high in Montgomery County, I think disproportionately high if, if memory serves for, like, Woodlands High School or something like for that. For kids. For, yeah. The, for youth. Yeah. Youth. youth. That, 
you know, we're fortunate we love our spouses enough to be able to cohabitate with them in close quarters for months on end, but many can't, and, and a lot of these rates are going up. Well, there's so many, I mean, I had this conversation last night with somebody, and, you know, there's so many issues that stem around everything that's going on around yeah. us, right? And, and you know, a lot of people have tunnel vision when it comes to talking about specific issues, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's masks, whether it's our schools need to open, whether it's, you know, pick, pick a topic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's, there's tons out there. Uh, but unfortunately, so many people tend to, you know, get a little tunnel vision when they start talking about these specific topics, and they only kind of focus on one thing and not look at the holistic picture of what's going on. And, you know, if I take if I take just the topic of, you know, schools Mm -hmm. and the decisions made to either open or not open schools, um, you know, there's there's so many implications that come along with, you know, if a decision is made to not open a school for in-person learning. Right. And if we look at those implications, you know, it's 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 not that the school's not working. Right. Because, you know, one of the arguments you'll hear is, well, if the schools don't open, I want my, my property. Ta- yeah, I want my <laughs> taxes tax back. back. <laughs> well, the school's working and the teacher's working and probably working harder because, you know, I think doing virtual is probably harder on a teacher than I have teacher friends who are just, classroom. they're ready, they're in the corner sucking their thumbs. And, and so, you know, but you have to look at, you know, kids that are in uh, abusive households, that their release was being able to go to school and they can't go to school. You have to look at kids that relied their on, meals relied relied on. on lunch yeah. to, to get their meal for the day. Breakfast and, sometimes, too. And, and, and now that is interrupted, especially if they can't, you know, and you can't go pick up food every single day, yeah. right? I mean, there's days and weeks you can, but can you sustain through the whole thing, right? We have to look at single parents that work and are trying to put money and put food on the table and keep that roof over the head. Well, if the kids don't go to school, how are they going to afford any kind of child care if it's that aged child so that they can actually go to work and mm-hmm. put make money and put food on the table um you know and 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 truthfully when you look at things like suicide rates i mean i haven't gotten the most recent numbers i mean the last numbers i heard were from probably a couple of months ago i think sometime in may you know but we were very fortunate at that time that you know we had only had one pediatric suicide in montgomery county um, which was a good thing mm-hmm. um you know, because tipi- that wasn't a typical number for that time frame of, of the year. Adult suicides, I think, were probably about where they typically were. There was no, at that point, there was no escalated number because of, uh, you know, being uh, the lockdown or staying at home or anything like that. Of course, those things don't happen instantaneously, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's just it's just like data with, with COVID-19, right? Like, I, I tend not to... Uh, engage myself in a lot of the conversations when it comes to data because you can manipulate data any way you want to it depends on how you calculate the numbers and how accurate the numbers actually are and so I so I don't even give in, get into that conversation but you know there's so many implications about what's going on in, in the holistic realm of, of things that happen you know that unfortunately a lot of people don't think about all of those implications you know and and do I think you know especially with our local you know school districts do I think they're making the right call by by having virtual learning for the first three four weeks and then evaluating as they go along? Well, personally, I think that's the right answer. And and does it create all these issues that go along with all these other things? It does. And and we all know that. And, and I honestly don't believe that you know any of these uh, superintendents or, or or even school boards um, are are honestly not thinking about those things. I think they understand the implications that come along with making a decision like that. Much like I think any, any 
uh, mayor or any governor uh, understands the implications of saying shutting things down or saying don't do or you know close or whatever mm. the case may be. Um, it's I, I, I honestly just don't think these decisions are made lightly. Um, you know, and 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 unfortunately, I don't think they all necessarily use science in their decision making either. Um, at these levels, I think there's too much, you know, unfortunately, political influence um, about decision making when it comes to things like public health uh, with this whole issue. And you know, I kind of look at it as. And I know people, you know, I'm going to wear a mask if I want. If I don't want to wear a mask, I don't want to, you know, I, I want freedom and liberty and all this other stuff. And Constitution, and I, I hear it all the time. The, the bottom line is public health takes precedence over many other things. And, and, and read the law. That's how it works. Um, and, you know, to me, I don't wear a mask for me. I wear a mask for everybody else I ever come in contact with when, when I go out and about and do things because I don't leave without one. And I have a 90-year-old grandmother that I, I'm very conscious oh, yeah. about, right? So, you know, the, all these arguments that go on, I mean, the bottom line is if we look at the data today, uh, it shows that, you know, if people wear masks and they practice social distancing and good hand hygiene when they go do things and they're smart about how they go do things, we actually see the areas that are actually doing better with that kind of stuff have a lower rate of infections. Um, so, you know, you know, I always tell people, don't send me an article from February about so-and-so saying don't wear masks because that's not how science works. If I can cut in, sure, in, in with that, because... Here we go. No, no, no. I actually agree with him. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Here we it's, go. <laughs> the problem with COVID-19, for some reason, this is the magic virus that's changing the the world nothing's affected the world like this since the spanish flu and then before that the bubonic plague in the 16th century i just something about this i i, I don't know what and i'm not going to go down any rabbit holes of who wants to make it this world changing thing or not it just is but every day sometimes every hour there are conflicting and capricious decisions from equal authority figures that take you were talking about the february thing i was all excited when i found uh the surgeon general's report in february and him saying on video don't buy a mask it won't do any good for you whatsoever save it for our healthcare professionals mm -hmm. and that's a surgeon general saying masks don't do anything so it's easy to say you know when he's saying wear a mask now to say, well, here, here's this video from February. Of course, a lot has changed since February. We know it. Unfortunately, when there are knee-jerk reactions, you don't know what's going on. You have to do the best you can. There are those that are now saying, well, you know, the president should have ordered a, a lockdown back in March. No, because in March, everyone was saying that's the worst thing that can, you know. Mm -hmm. So hindsight's always amazingly 2020. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't more, I don't necessarily think it's just the article they're using. I think it's more the distrust that has been implanted because of the language that was used presenting that information. Because if somebody tells me, as a doctor, these don't do anything, and that means they probably did some tests, and the test told them doesn't do anything. Well, if and I I'm thinking it depends like, on the mask. There. Well, I know, but I'm saying like the people feel like that's what that's what I heard when mm -hmm. you told me that, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, so this doctor knows. What he, I mean, clearly he knows what he's doing or she's doing, and they did some tests. But I mean, I think there's practical science involved with viruses where the language should have been, we need to reserve our 
stocks for there our, for are our masks that are effective and masks mm-hmm. that aren't your your uh, uh operating room doctor mask doesn't do anything in, on, in a non-sterile environment it's cosmetic to wear it but you know what i'd rather yeah and it will stop a sneeze so there's that but it doesn't stop a virus it, it, those masks operate with the assumption that everyone's healthy when they're in the operating room and have been sterilized and scrubbed up that's what that's for painters masks or, you know... No, I understand. I'm just saying the way the language is presented to people, and then when someone says, like, they don't work at all, you're kind of like, You can... Anyone... What? Any expert... Remember, expert witnesses pay for their services in, in court, and you can... Any court. So, so you're telling get, me the Surgeon General didn't have any background information Surgeon about... Surgeon General went with the information he had at the time, which came from the WHO, the CDC, and China. And primarily China, which, of course, you got to take. Yeah, but would you, anything a foreign power says you got to take. Wouldn't you say, in general, spreading of germs, wearing a mask is always a better option if it's you're infected? Preferable to not, absolutely, and that's when it became political. So wouldn't you just say that? Wouldn't you just say, hey, it's always a good idea to wear a, a, a something over your face? My sense on this, instead of saying it doesn't work at all. Like, there's no, there's an absolute in that statement. So, to me, that's what freaks me out. Well, again, you've heard me say this many times. I frequently feel the wrong arguments being pursued in any given situation. And this is, I really believe COVID-19 would have been massively more manageable if it hadn't been the political doomsday or media doomsday headline. Probably if it didn't come sure. from, quote, China, I think that probably would be as reported as Well, much. but many viri come from China. Well, I, I mean, meant more of like, that was the pinpoint. That was, SARS! That was the long conversation for like two Avian. weeks. Where did this come from? And then when they, you know, when you hear the word Wuhan, you're like, oh, great. Let's just talk about this for two well, weeks. Well, there were those in the media that were salivating at the hope that it came from Russia because that would perpetuate the whole oh, Russia narrative a little bit longer. It's again, the media had to find something. But I think a large issue with it is just people's distrust that's it learned over a period of time. And I think that's going to be a really, I mean, especially with the political stance, this is an opportunity for politics to change people's minds. This isn't the standard, like, I'm always going to be in this camp or that camp. And I think that's why the November stuff is like, now people are going to be, it's going to go up, 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 up. They're going oh, to turn up the division as much as possible leading up to the election This because it makes converts people easier. This scenario is well, this generation's version of, of Vietnam in, when it comes to trust in government or authority voices. Yeah. I remember Vietnam, you was like, you didn't know who to trust because you're getting two different stories and this and that. We haven't really had that to that scale since, since now. We don't know who to listen to. Today... The CDC's put out saying, uh, a report saying schools should open in September. Now, I, mean, I don't know. But that's what they're saying today. That's not what they were saying. You know, see the same CDC that said it'll stay, you know, COVID will stay on a surface for three weeks. Oh, no, it won't. Maybe it will on certain surfaces. Again, it, it comes out every day. I believe this virus could have been easily manageable without what I'll call the chicken little. That, you know, last night the missus and I went to this amazing uh, Japanese restaurant. It was an all-you-can-eat place. Chi, I don't know if you've ever eaten there. We've eaten at many restaurants. Each one has gone bent over backwards to make sure they're safe. You know, I don't want to close, man. Well, that's the thing. It's We're taking a risk by going out there. There's always a risk that, you know, someone's going to touch a souffle cup. It could be sealed and sanitized for my protection, but something somewhere could be on it. But it's a risk we're willing to take seeing. We'll go to places to see how they handle it 
And I'm the first one to say many, many safety measures are cosmetic, much like taking off my belt and shoes at the airport. But it's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's we can handle. Oh, by the way, I looked that up. It did prevent one person. So no, now you can't no, say that. It didn't prevent them. That's what prompted it. It's prevent. The shoe bomber prompted us taking off <laughs> yeah. our shoes. Just letting you know, people with a belt bomber. No, it didn't prevent it. He got <laughs> on. The passengers knocked him down, and then the next day TSA said, "Okay, now you got to take off your shoes." No, they got a guy afterwards. Did they? Yeah. Now you can't use that anymore. Okay, my belt. You can't use belt shoes. You can't use that. I can't. can't. Okay, I'll find something new. They found him. But I believe, and the place was filled to its proper capacity last night. And I've gone to different restaurants on the same thing. All the safety measures. Meanwhile, you have in other states. Well, chicken wings don't count as food, but peanuts do. You know, whatever's going on there, where you're getting down to how many chicken wings constitute some meal so we can <laughs> open up this. No, it's, I think from the beginning, if from the start it had been, you know what, this respiratory mask or this painter's mask or, or this, this uh, uh, arc welding mask, May not do a lick of good, but you know what? It's not going to hurt you. And if there had been voices of reason from day one, it wouldn't be this constitutional. To me, wearing a mask, being told by the government to wear a mask, you know what? They told me to wear a seatbelt, too. I don't give, give a hoot. You wear your seatbelt? I do, because my car goes boop, boop, boop <laughs> if I don't, and I don't want that. So if we had, you know, boop, boop, boops all the time with our mask. So restaurant, you, you have people going, so hey, where's your mask? You keeping, can't come in there. So keeping businesses open. With a, in a controlled environment like at the mall, I've been to the mall, and they're handling it beautifully. The places that are open, they have a, a masked and gloved employee outside, and they're like, okay, hold on, like, come on in. Americans are insanely adaptable to any situation. I think if we'd earlier on caught this, had a voice of reason at the top, a singular voice of reason at the top, which is, of course, not there in any way, shape, or form, to say, eat Go out and you know support local, whatever, but just be smart about it. We wouldn't be here today with this meltdown. That's my opinion. Well, and I, and I certainly don't disagree. I mean, there hasn't been uh, a, a solid message from day one, from from the, whether it's the top or anywhere in the middle. I mean, you, you do you get conflicting reports depending on you know what outlet you watch on TV or where you get your news. And, and that's part of the problem, right? And, and unfortunately, I think another part of the problem, you know, some people may not like to hear it, but I think they, you know, sometimes the expectations from the public are uh, overshooting what's even possible in real life, mm. right? Because, you know, science, I mean, my undergraduate degrees in, in oceanography, which is a science degree, um, and, and science just doesn't, you know, work that way. Um, you know, they were kind of being, in my opinion, some of these officials were, were being forced, I'm going to use the word forced, to, to have an answer because the, the public was demanding an answer, oh, yeah. right? So, so what do they give, right? What do they give as an answer? Well, um, maybe the data at the time showed whatever that was, and, and, and that is what they presented. Now, maybe they didn't present it or use the right words, right? Because when you say absolutely doesn't do something yeah that's what i'm saying we use absolutes right? it scares it's, the it's, crap it's, out of it's people. very definitive mm-hmm. um and you know this was this is a new virus that did not have obviously a ton of research behind it they mm-hmm. didn't really have a lot of data on how it spreads how it, i mean at the very beginning of this they said it didn't community spread mm-hmm. right so 
obviously that's not true. Um, but, but until they collect, I mean, the way science works is you have to keep doing data collection and data collection and doing different tests and data collection and data collection and doing different tests. And, you know, what you have today and what you have two weeks from now and what you have two years from now uh, are, are never going to be the same. And so you Heck, have to two be very, hours from you now. have to be very careful well, about how you something. choose your words. That's why I'm really looking forward to the chaos of a vaccine. And now it's <laughs> going to be like this is what you got to take now, and every you know that's the new thing. And I, 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 people are going to freak out about it. like, no, I'm not taking that. I'm that's not taking why that. of all the like the the outbreak movies there were, you had this really stupid one with uh, Dustin Hoffman where their big answer was, "Hey, let's create antibodies that might stop this thing." It was it's horrible. Um, but there was the one, the Matt Damon one. What was it called? Uh, uh, Contagion. Contagion. I don't know why that's not being shown on like the Contagion channel. I on. wouldn't show that at all. That's <laughs> no, because it's, you want people freaking out. It, no, it's it shows you got your Jude Law character, who's the Alex Jones. He's the Alex Jones, but he's the Alex Jones with the power who got. He's right Wolf a couple times. Blitzer or Bill Maher podium. You know, no, no, he didn't, so I, I no I'm telling you, he was just right, so pe- more people watched him, and but, they thought he was right. I'm telling you, I watched the movie Alex Jones. You can't, you're wrong. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the Jude Law character, he pushes a false narrative just so he can be the story. And people die as a result. You have the whole thing, okay, well, we got a, we got a vaccine. Good, we can start implementing it in a year. What? No, in the movies, they, you know, you get the immediate mm-hmm. blood transfusion and it cures. No, everything. they shot it pretty accurately, where they can only produce so much. So That's get, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's very. I love that movie because it shows the disbelief. The and then you have the Kate Winslet character who knows everything and every possible protocol there could be, yet she still catches it to show that. You, well, you she's know. a frontline. Front exactly. Line. So it puts. It puts in such sharp relief, and I've been looking for this film, and you get your stupid Outbreak movie with Dustin Hoffman and all these other ones, and Sharknado meets Ebola or whatever, but that one movie, I'm telling you, just they, they need to... You can rent it for like 15 bucks. You'll freak people I, out. I'll man. be honest. I, I, I looked for it when this whole thing kind of first started and all this, because I was trying to find it you know, on HBO or whatever, Yeah, and I couldn't find it anywhere. No. I couldn't even find it on like uh, Netflix or Hulu. I you mean, could, I yeah, find you had to rent it. And so, uh, you know, we finally, uh, I think it came on one of the stations one day and I caught it, but then I was like, man, I didn't get to see the whole thing. So then we looked around and I think we found it on Amazon prime and, you know, we actually bought it on yeah. Amazon prime. So we don't even, we didn't rent it. We just bought it so that we have it. I, th- th- <laughs> I didn't like that movie. I, well, I didn't love the cont- <clears throat> contagion type virus type, you know, pandemic type movies it's i think it's one of the better ones yeah i mean this is like people because of its realistic submarine movies it, it doesn't go the hollywood route yeah it does no it doesn't yeah they, the hollywood route they, is the he, new he, ending to world made, war z he made a prom scene in his house yeah. oh okay. Well, okay you got you got that's, I mean, that's the, the coda horrible that's the coda i mean <laughs> this is life life goes on life resumes but you see the fear of, you know, some kid outside the door, just leave the food there. Don't, you know. The yeah. woman got the kidnapped fear. and had to stay with a, a Chinese family for like mm-hmm. five months. Right. Because that's the stuff that goes down. No, no. Take World War Z as your corollary no, to this No, I think the only thing. thing I could truly believe in that movie is when they find out <laughs> where those people live. Like for that uh, CDC guy, mm-hmm. Lauren Frischborn, they find his wife where they live and they like tie her up and looking for the vaccine. What? Yeah, you mean he was doxxed? 
So yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see that happening because yeah. right when they announce, right <laughs> gee, when they I announce can see it happening too because it happens. <laughs> well, I mean, when someone says, "Hey, we got the vaccine out," only certain people. Are like, well, this guy certainly has and it. People trip. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just whoever owns the rights to that, put it out. Uh, have you been to uh, Pluto TV? Yeah, it's one of those streaming things. Yeah, it's free. It's free, but they have a cha- they have the leverage channel, which is a twenty four seven leverage, or they have the James Bond channel, mm. or the Japanese Common Rider channel, you know, scary channel. And they'll just take them, you know, add and remove at will. It's wonderful. You could just get lost on this one streaming free service, but they need the you know the Contagion channel right. and just put that movie on. Throw on the others too, just you know the so like the twenty eight days later will be on there. Yeah, sure. Well, they, they, they can weeks track later. it as yeah. right there. And, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, that movie would terrify people. If what, Contagion? Yeah. I, I think that's why it's pulled, to be honest. Maybe. I think a well, decision the, was made. In that movie disease, it, like, it killed you within four days, and then that, that would freak people out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I have to ask myself, again, the absence of a noise frequently says more than the noise. The absence of this movie being readily available... Makes me wonder why. I'm not. I'm not looking for well, conspiracy owns theories. It probably goes. You know what? You're not giving me enough money. And did a right did an now. Every person on the planet would probably watch that movie if it was for free. And so the average you could charge the average. Or it might already be under contract with another company. Then that other company is in gross dereliction of its <laughs> shareholder. Oh, because it couldn't. It couldn't pre- prevent a, or understand that there was a pandemic coming. <laughs> Is pandemic still here? Yeah, but you, you know how streaming rights work, right? Like people sign contracts. Do you know how many how many contagion or, or contagious uh, documentaries and stuff are floating on Netflix right now? Yeah, are, are we talking about the movie or the 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 theme? The movie. Yeah, so I'm saying it's probably under some some rule right now. It can't be on any streaming service. And whoever owns the rights to that needs to be taken out back and shot. That's kind of mean. <laughs> Sorry, I just made a political candidate snort his coffee, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't not know. get into it, get into it, but <laughs> talk about it, converse. I didn't bring my sparring gloves. Yeah, <laughs> not the face. That's that's the Thompson battle cry. You didn't bring your eggs. I didn't. I did not. You didn't bring your eggs. I, I didn't. That's the new I, way. I, I thought about it. Oh, I that's the new not way. Expecting that. Thank you. Uh, well, that's too easy of a joke. Like I'm telling you, there's a lot of opportunities <laughs> with that. Because now we're, uh, I guess the next election voting time is November, right? Yep. Yeah, have, there's no municipal election. If you're in Conroe. Everything's no, in November. Yeah, they move Conroe city elections to November. Okay. But I don't know if it's the same day. I would prefer, I, I would presume it is because everyone knows you're not going to get people out twice in the same month to vote for two different elections. Yeah. That's my sense. I say that with all my political strategy <laughs> degrees on the wall behind me. Well, but. locally, there's a lot of stuff. Like you're voting for a lot of stuff locally, depending on where you live. Sure. Yeah, here mm-hmm. in Connor, I think they're voting for four things, like three spots in the council and then one mayor, and then yeah, where, where I lived for the the thing we just had, I I was in and out in twelve seconds. I had two votes to make, and they were easily made. So, and again, the I'll tell you what that polling place was. As safe and secure and sanitized and and just gave me warm fuzzies better than any hospital could. They bent over backwards to make sure anyone daring to vote was worth you know the risk. I, I loved it. Yeah, and I I voted in East County. Obviously, I live in East mm-hmm. County, and I voted over there. And they did the same thing. I mean, they set it up so that everything was separated. They had plexiglass. 
Even the uh, those that. outside, typically that want to approach you, because I kind of miss that. I, I'm Mister. I want every candidate to approach me so I can grill them and find out what so they you can stand. touch them. That's so weird. <laughs> hey, you know, reach out and touch someone. Yeah, that's weird, man. Um, they get they kept their distance. This one, <laughs> I won't say who, but it, please vote for my husband <laughs> from like thirty feet away. Um, so I wasn't approached, but even outside, they were respectful of the whole situation. And it was a it was a great setup. I think you have uh, plenty of time to register too. Well, that that can come up on you pretty quick. Don't waste time. So register to vote and buy your flood yes. insurance now. Those are the two things you got to do today. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> this PSA brought to you by Skippy. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Do you have flood insurance? Yeah, well, I have renters insurance that might cover it. I have no idea. No, it doesn't. And many renters on my street found that out the hard way. Ask your landlord if they have flood insurance. But here's the thing. If they do, that takes care of their stuff, oh, stuff yeah. not yours. Just trust me. Trust me. I have flood insurance. That's nice. Now I'm the Yeah, I'm the, yeah you're the, the idiot. Out. <laughs> Thanks, man. No pressure. <laughs> Come on, Dick. All the cool kids are doing it. Although I'm not impressed that they almost doubled the price of my because I just got the renewal. For August. Well, it makes sense they would. You flood all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. It's like the Saturn cars. It's the same. It, it's not, you know, there are some certain things that they put in there. Um, where, you know, but. Oh, I was going to ask you guys this. So I've been seeing a lot of ads for auto insurance stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it somewhere where it's like they they were afraid since COVID happened that they would lose people? Yeah, that's why driving. they dropped the price. Yeah, or was that like in the contract or something? Because I, I, across the board, all most in, auto insurance places were like, "Yeah, we're, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing that," you know, a little thing to make it cheaper for you. And I'm thinking, like, do they do that because they knew? Because they're all statisticians over there at the <laughs> insurance people, and they're like, that's... "We're going to lose twenty percent every month as long as this thing goes on because people aren't driving and they're not going to want to pay because they don't have the money to pay." That, my friend, is a shining example of the beauty of capitalism. All it takes is one company to go, hey, you know, if we lower our prices, we'll get more people. And then Geico says, well, if we lower our prices 10% more, we'll get more people, and then so forth and so on. I thought they were 15%. No, you can save 15% or more if you <laughs> shop with Geico. I'm just saying. And, but, yeah, that's what that is. There's not in the contracts because nothing says they will determine your rates on how much you are projected to drive. You know, they'll ask you yeah. how many miles is on your car, how far away is your office, how many days a week do you go there. But that's every – your policy lasts typically for six months, and it doesn't change. So they're like, well, for the next six months, we got them at this rate. For them to drop it now across the board, it's them saying, you know, they're not going to go with me. They're going to go over to, you know, flow – yeah, I was wondering what that was all about. Yeah, that's and and that's when you have competition, especially this is a highly you know auto insurance is a highly regulated thing. It's one of those if you drive you gotta have it. So there are those that scream, oh, it's against my customers' to have car insurance. Too bad the XFL didn't start this season instead of last season. Right, this is the perfect time to do it. Right. I don't. I wonder how has, sports are going to be affected. Did anyone see the game, that baseball game, with no fans? Because I heard rumors I've, that they were going to put virtual fans in the stands. Well, the Astros did. Uh, well, tonight's their first home game. Yeah. Right? So they're doing cutouts. But, but I mean, like Astros. the what was it yesterday? The Nationals and the somebodies. Yeah, the Nationals there? and the Yankees yeah. played yesterday. Did anyone watch it? No, I did not. Okay. I'm just I wondering. Watched, I have watched baseball, a few dude. of the preseason games, just flipping through channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know I, the first one I came across. I don't remember who was playing Chicago Cubs and somebody. 
Um, it's baseball. Man. But I was like, it's it was kind of weird to watch a baseball game with no fans. Going back to the weird. Contagion movie, <laughs> this is where real life is weirder than the fiction. You know, they say stranger than fiction. To have a major sport. Can you imagine if that were in a movie, that scene where it's the first baseball game since the the whole thing started and you got your players and maybe they're a little pale because they haven't been working out as much and stuff and there's no one in the stands so you get the echoey sounds would that be like a bone chilling scene in a movie that was yesterday's opening you know we're like ah I'm not going to watch it because they're going to kneel. Well, it's just, I mean, to me, it's just like, you know, I had talk, we talked before we started today, and I, I've done some traveling for work. And, you know, the first, the first trip I took, you know, when I got to the airport, it was weird at the airport because, you know, at that time, I mean, there was n- the only people really there were the people waiting to get on, the couple yeah. of flights that were leaving, uh, all at that point in time every store in in the airport was closed you know they had a couple of those little newport news Mm -hmm. shops open and i think like the wendy's fast food place was open but all the restaurants were closed all the bars were closed i mean everything was closed and wrapped up zero traffic there was very little traffic i mean you could you know go to the parking garage and a plethora of spots in the parking garage. Plus, they dropped, This is the time to get my passport plus updated. They dropped, they dropped the price to like 10 bucks a day for airport parking at the terminal parking, right? So I mean, <laughs> Please park here. It was, you know, it was just a weird experience being somebody that travels a lot in, in, in non-COVID times, you know, that was a totally, and it was a very surreal, weird experience to, to, to kind of see it like that because... You know, I live where I live, you know, I can hear air traffic because I don't live that far from Bush and I can hear air traffic. And when this whole thing started, it was it kind of was movie ish because there wasn't a plane in the sky. There's not any birds. And do you you hear any birds? (laughs) So it was was very uh, surreal, quite frankly. You know, it's the same, you know, with sporting events. Like I watched the baseball game. I'm like, man, this is just weird. Watch. We, I love it because you can hear like soccer is great because you can hear them cursing at each other. It's great. <laughs> oh yeah, and you're just like, oh, that guy's really upset about something. <laughs> See, I just problem is I grew up like up with cricket, and so I I need the roar of the crowd. I imagine, need the laugh track. Imagine football. Oh, that's what I'm and saying. Hockey, hockey would be, be so loud because it's just people hitting <laughs> each other and slapping each other and sticks hitting. Oh, well, the ice is a great sound conductor. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then a bunch of Canadians being really nice to each other. <laughs> Oh, I wonder if the hockey player is going to fight now that there's like no audience to fight for. Right? No, they or, not, or, they still got cameras. I mean, after that, are they going to like shift somebody and say, "Are you not yet entertained?" No, after watching that Michael Jordan documentary, there, I bet there's some athletes who just want to fight because they want to be the best. I stumbled that night. I stumbled across it. It was like trending number eight on yeah. Netflix. I, I I put it in my queue. Yeah. Even though it's, I would never watch it of my own volition because you. <laughs> Or telling me it rocks, and I trust you, Dick, because you would never lead me astray. I didn't say it rocked. I said it's just interesting because oh, I'm not a basketball. Now you're backpedaling. No, you can go. You to, told me it was I the best. I recorded it. I record. We recorded the show. I said I didn't know what was going on during that time, so it was interesting to be caught up about like the phenomenon of Michael Jordan because I didn't know he was. I still don't believe he's the Wayne Gretzky of basketball because his stats were have not has been like they're not. He didn't like control all the stats for 50 years or whatever is there a, that's a good question because we have like the wayne Gretzkys of the world that just across the board did it is do other sports have like that one well i know Lionel messi for soccer had is wouldn't be pele 
Unfortunately, no, I know like three soccer players. I mean, players it, it depends on how you do. I'm talking about stats. It was I'm so saying, like, kind of like the king wise, of the whole game. Lionel Messi would be the king, but if it's not like trophy wise, not trophy it, so much, but just like the Wayne Gretzky's a you know record number of this yeah. and this and this. Does who would yeah. basketball have? That's what I was like. I thought Jordan did because people regard Jordan as the best because he won three two three peats, which mm-hmm. is like like kind of insane when you think about how different every year changes between the NBA players and stuff. But stats wise, I don't think he's even that like that far ahead of other people. But it's probably really hard to be really. Oh, well, never mind. Because like Ryan Gretzky did like all the stats. He didn't just do shooting. He did like every single stat in, in hockey. He's like thirty percent higher than second place. So when I read those stats of his, I was like, "That's not NHL. Like they, they got to be counting differently back then, or something <laughs> like that." Because that's insane. And uh, now I don't know who would be NBA. I mean, I know there's probably individual players for individual stats, like best three point, you know, highest three point person. Like that was like you know Babe Ruth. He was the king of home runs, but also strikeouts. So he had like two records going on. You know? Yeah. But I mean, then baseball is there someone who's got like a record for hits and runs and you know. I can't think of any other sport that would have that one person. Because you say Gretzky and everybody knows. But I don't think everyone knows like how much better he was, stats-wise. Like If you read his stats, it's like... I, I can't imagine being a hockey player. Like To give you an idea... And he is Canadian, right? To give you an idea, you know who uh, Ovechkin is? Plays for the Washington Capitals. He's a Russian dude. Been playing who? for a while. Ovechkin? Yeah, he plays for the Washington Capitals. Yeah, so he was regarded as one of the better hockey players... And so basically someone took – he's about to retire in a couple of years. Someone yeah. said for him to catch up to Wayne Gretzky based off his like current stats, he had to pay, play for another 20 years to catch up if you did the same thing every year. I'm like – then I was like, that, I, saw, I think that it's all fabricated, Wayne Gretzky. I don't believe he did that well <laughs> just because how We've good We've never seen Wayne Gretzky and Superman in the same room at the same time. Together. Yeah, I mean, that's true. <laughs> and uh, But sport-wise, I don't know anybody about in baseball who is just – so good, so dominant on and everything they did. Yeah, hockey seems to be one of the few sports where you can Consi- have consistently, your one consistently. Uh, but yeah, I gotta agree with Jay that it would just that would be bizarre to me just to watch because I mean I got bored with cricket and even that or golf. At least people in the background in golf, you can hear the yeah. Muted you can claps. add that though. But they were so- talking about Fox was going to add a virtual. I don't think you need to see audience it. Well, like with in, noise. Well, in soccer, what they did is they just covered the seats with like logos and stuff, and then they added like crowd noise. And you know what? It's just like a laugh track. I, I can't be opposed to it, but it just says much that we're going to try baseball and to pay these guys their millions of dollars, and the revenue just literally is not there. There's no gate revenue. There's no concession revenue. No, oh, I, I guarantee the NFL is going to get hit real hard if they continue on with the lot. Like when I say lockdown, I mean. Well, I believe by the end of this year, hard. every major sport will suddenly be behind reopening the world. Well, because you also consider football doesn't have that many games. It's, Baseball it, has like five games a week or whatever. So I like, don't believe any league a, will be able to handle an entire full season under the current conditions under current conditions with no guarantee of the next season starting it so i'm telling you by the end of the year this is skippy's prediction uh every major sport that's been doing the they're going to restructure completely yeah no they're going to say okay we're past it time to, uh, my personal sense is come november 5th this virus will magically just 
not have any bearing on anything whatsoever in the world. I think it will in certain areas, but not, I think, uh, no, not, more locally, like here, probably be gone in a sense of we're going to open back up, but maybe in a Houston or like a large city where there, there is oh, danger. No, yeah, there will be real world repercussions of the virus, its presence, and its, uh, you know, the locked or the. But then the again, like needed. Europe's kind of already opening up a little bit. Like sure. I know. But once whomever is ensconced in power come voting day, at that point, I, I strongly believe media-wise, the, the well, yeah, virus will not do. have nearly the impact one way or the other. Right. And at that point, that's where I mean, the I don't, that's where the major sports. I don't really will, pay attention to media. Well, that's so. where Hollywood and sports will pop up, saying, "Okay, well, the virus doesn't matter much anymore, so let's reopen TV." Because think about it. All these TV shows are now full season behind. This isn't like a writer's strike where, okay, we got to shut down the season early, but, you know, we'll bring in scabs. You know how fast, no one's doing anything. No, you know how fast they can produce stuff now? You know they're still working. You know they're doing all the screenplays and all the location shooting and stuff. They're like, all right, now we can get it going in like three weeks because we've literally covered How many shows show. are shot for purely on location? <clears throat> Every single show. And they're shot somewhere. No, and most network shows, they have to follow basically... The, the ratings. And everything's green you, screened anyway. So, I mean, you well, literally can shoot every show in one warehouse. There's that. But, like, for instance, a sitcom or an hour drama that's, like, soap opera E. what they'll do is they'll introduce a new character. They'll look at the overnights or this new character accepted or not. If not, that person gets killed next week. They bring another one. I think, I think it's a real-time response with the audiences. You can't plan that far ahead as a writer. What, what I love to see is the Oscars because of everyone basically postponing their their movies now either indefinitely or they're putting on video on release it's like like the the oscars is going to come up with like their own thing like oh well we're gonna we're gonna disregard the rules of opening in a nope in a theater you know what's gonna happen what day is voting day november the fourth third third by the fifth Hollywood will there will be a floodgate to all cinemas of all Oscar contender movies. I love this Alex Jones talk between uh-huh. November fifth through like the end it. of the year, and they'll no, still have on. the Oscars. Is no, you think the first movie will open up the following Friday of November? Is that what you're saying, or they'll make a plan where there will be a rush of all Oscar looking contender at it right movies? Now the third is a Tuesday. Yeah, it's always a so Tuesday. So that sixth, there's going to be a movie in the theater. There, no, every Oscar contender will be in the th- in the cinema well they have to they have till february so no it goes up yet they have to the end of the year oh is it I have yeah to, no they, oh, they extended it because they moved the oscars forward like two or three months the okay. ceremony okay fine Give, but here's the thing they're hoping that every movie up for consideration will be watched by enough i people. think mulan got pulled though like like completely, I think they're gonna release it on Disney Plus. They pulled it. I think they're not, they're not gonna set a date for oh, it. Oh, the 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 uh, the, the live mo- action yeah, one. Yeah, live action one. Yeah. Yeah. There's no Eddie Murphy dragon. It's not hmm. worth watching. That's so true. I, oh, did I tell you I watched The Lion King and Aladdin, the redos or the remakes? Mm-hmm. I was very disappointed. I was forced to watch Aladdin. I, I wasn't as disappointed by that as I could have been. It, it was decent. I don't like photorealistic movies for animals. Yeah. Well, that's what freaks me out. Did you see that, Jay? Did you see that? What freaks me out about it was your the characters are so lively. Lifelike. Or lively. Whatever. I'm lively. Yeah. Sure. I, I understand what you're saying to me. Um, but in the, the photorealistic one, it, like, it did not seem that way. 
I was like, this is creepy. Well, you this can't... is so creepy to watch like a real lion try to sing a song or, you know, yeah, I'm like, I can't. Their I can't. mouths can't articulate. And this is going to. They look real vicious. Like, I'm like, I'm not kidding. You're sitting there going like. Gonna... Okay. So there's this one kind of uncomfortable scene in The Lion King where uh, Simba and Nala, they're all grown up and they're kind of tussling around like the young cubs they once were. And then she ends up on her back and he's on top of her. And it's the stereotypical Hollywood scene where they yeah. lock eyes and. You know, she lowers her eyes, and you know what's going to happen. This movie, they look like and this movie it looks like two lions gonna be a National Geographic <laughs> special, and yeah. it's just it's it, icky. It's horrible. It was horrible. I, do the live action remakes with where humans are the primary? You know, Beauty and the Beast, which I, I took my daughter. That to. was horrible too. It was, but here's the thing: I, I went to the special showing they had at the cinema, where it was the sing along one, and it was me and all these other dads with their so daughters, and so all the dads were singing Gaston. <laughs> I believe it. Um, th- those ones I can handle. Aladdin was actually decently done. I got to give props yeah. to Will Smith for attempting to be Robin Williams' replacement. <laughs> it, uh, it was way too clean. But they're doing—they're in the desert, and everything seemed like someone a magical mop hit the town <laughs> every night. And I'm like, man, where's all the same? No, like, it's a magical carpet and it sweats. I mean, that. That's but th- l- see, they're doing a live action, or they've done a live action uh, Lady and the Tramp. That's just. Two dogs, kind of looking at each other, running. I mean, you know, it's no. But the Lion King was really creepy. It was like I can't watch it. I, I won't. Yeah, it was really creepy. I won't watch the animal ones. But uh, now, you're, now I'm gonna have to go watch. I know, just, really. Just, just well, because I I grew up when I think I, I want to say I was like eight years old when Lion King came out. Oh, bite so me. I, well, no, I meant like I was in it. Like I wanted Lion King. I watched it twenty times. I was like, I love the Lion King. And then so when I watched this one, because I knew all the songs, I know I was like. It's just so weird. Like, why even try this? <laughs> like, I can understand making a remake, but like this way, like, it's not. If no, they should have diverted their attention to Little Mermaid. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I I guess like the Beauty and the Beast. It, I guess it's kind of one of those things. Like, you're so ingrained in the older versions. How can the newer version be better? But well, certain- it's funny that you can't. Um, compete with the pre-existing cartoon character Emma. Uh, what's her name? The, the the gal Hermione, Emma from, Watson is that her yeah, name? I don't know. I think I'm pretty sure Emma something. Anyhow, the the gal that they got to play Belle in the live action, voice and look wise, I'll I'll date the original cartoon Belle before that. Well, and the same thing with well, the their beast. main issue with the what they're trying to do is they don't. They, they don't, had one of the nerds be the beast. They're, like their their stuff looks so fake. Like, yeah, it does not look like a town. Does not look like a city or whatever. I mean. And I, I don't I understand why they do it because they're just trying to make money. Like, look, they could shoot the whole movie on the studio instead of doing like, you know, let's make it gritty or whatever. But mm-hmm. and then again, they're making money on it. It didn't matter. I don't know why they're re- not releasing Mulan. I, I don't see why they just don't just well, say, hey, we're gonna wait till COVID's China's over. Kind Everyone of on, would understand that. They're they're waiting to see if you know really was a manufactured virus or not. No one cares about what China's doing. I mean, that's what I mean. President Trump certainly does. Well, the like NSA does, that. which is why. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying the moviegoers, the moviegoers don't care. They just want to go to a movie, and that's that's you just tell people, but hey, no, we're not going to release it until COVID. Like the like, original Beauty and the Beast, the cartoon, um, the nerd from Revenge of the Nerds was the Beast, Robert Carradine, and he did great with that. You know, and the Beast was awesome in the remake. He, he he's a dork. He didn't no, have a yeah, voice. no, the movie's horrible. Gaston in the cartoon was this, you know, Schwarzenegger actually, body. Actually, Gaston and them were the better ones in the yeah, remake. Yeah, they were the least of the evils. 
um, in it. But like I said, Emma, what's her name? Hermione, you can't no. take a child actress like Drew Barrymore or her, what's her name, put them in a, quote, sexy role and expect a lot of right-thinking adults to get on board with that. Especially when there's a beast involved. Yeah, yeah. right? It's bad enough we already got an implied bestiality happening. Yeah, I don't know. And the more they tried to explain, because, you know, in the original Beauty and the Beast, they're like, wait a second. If it's been 10 years and on his 21st birthday that the last petal falls, that means that the kid was 11 years old when this witch damned him and everybody else. Well, you know, times, kind are, of a, times were hard back then, dude. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, I, I was not a fan of the Enchantress. From It's like the dude was 11 years old, cut him some slack. Uh, no. And how did Chip get born? Because Chip is only six years old. The little cup. Okay. So if they've been, because they've right. been aging, because no. it's his 21st birthday. You're talking about a, a magical scenario, by the way. But they tried to explain this all so. in the live action movie, and they just failed horribly. Oh, was, yeah, the movie sucks. It was, it was, Jay, you got to watch that uh, one just to see it. Sing it, along with Gaston, like the, the well, rest Well, I mean, of us I, yeah, I don't. But don't I mean, watch Lion I Join me in not watching but why Lion would, Why would you make a Mulan movie without any of the music? It's because China owns You think so? Hollywood, You yeah. really think so? No. Because, I mean, those songs were good. Why not? I mean, like, they, they are they not. Just, they're not doing it. Like, they why just would you released, do that? They just released a non-musical uh, Little Mermaid, I guess, going back to Pearl, who's the name of the, you know, before. Oh, the fairy tale actual version? Yeah. Not like the But Disney they made movie. it look a lot like a Disney thing. Oh, she have red hair? <laughs> red enough, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and when I saw the, the trailer for it, I thought it was going to be the the aerial one and i realized it wasn't but a lot of scenes paid enough homage to the cartoon that they made you think of it i'm telling you it's gonna be a big disappointment i don't know why they would i don't know why what, mulan spend, yeah like why would they not include here's the thing right now china music. is a hot button topic so if they release it right now i mean is half it? The, yeah i mean i guess so yeah it is whether or not the you know you want to call it COVID 19 or the china virus the Wuhan virus it originated from there. It was ground zero. So you're telling me in like 50 years there can be like some breaking report going, can you believe they did this on purpose? Could happen. Yeah. Much like, you know, we found out much later about Pearl Harbor. Life goes on. Did it? Some people never forget. Yeah, it's true. So well, that, what, what amazes me about the whole China deal is the NBA stuff. That to me is the coolest thing ever. And I, I want that to. I hope that sticks for a long time. Like people give LeBron crap all the time about that because I can't believe. Like, Explain it for the audiences and maybe me. You're well, exactly what you're saying. I believe it was last break. They do a break in China, so that's NBA break, which is I think a year. I think summer. I think during the summer. I don't really. Yeah, but whatever. It's before coronavirus, and uh, basically the BC. The, uh, Hong Kong was having their protests at the height of the protests mm -hmm. and the Houston Rockets GM goes on Twitter because everyone needs to go on Twitter and say s stuff right it's and in the rule book now yeah and he said uh, free Hong Kong I think that's what he said mm -hmm. something like that along those lines and it became a whole debacle where China was basically threatening to kick them out saying we're not doing your thing anymore we're going to take your contracts Jeez, he may as well stuff. said free ta uh, uh, Taiwan yeah and then it was a uh, and then basically everyone started apologizing. And I think they even made the GM apologize. And then LeBron got in trouble because LeBron was like, oh, we're not, he's not very educated on the subject. He was, he basically just stumbled upon himself and just protected the, the, the China, I guess the China perspective. Okay. So people were really, people are now calling him out all the time about it, especially with Black Lives Matter. And I, I mean, I hope that sticks because that's, I mean, that's crazy to me. 
how uh, how that he was able to still con- try to control the narrative. Like, no, man, just it's okay. Just say free Hong Kong. See what happens. And that's what's happened recently with Ted Cruz and uh, Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, like that, that's kind of a hard place to be in, especially as a basketball owner. Jay, what do you think? There's going to be blowback. I mean, yeah, there's always an inter- intermix of entertainment and politics. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, many stories are, are created based on a political climate. In the 70s, we had a lot of the dystopian government with Three Days of the Condor, Marathon Man, you know, all, all, all these ones like that, very dystopian government. So I'm not saying we should separate them completely because <laughs> that's just stupid. But more and more people, I, I, I feel those who enjoy the arts or entertainment go for an escape. When I go to the theater, I want to lose myself in another world or universe for two hours and not be reminded of the real stuff. (laughs) When I go to a game, I want to see two athletes or two teams of athletes going after each other to where I don't want to be the politics outweigh it. So for me, there's a personal blowback. Mm -hmm. I I feel that eventually, will there come a point where people, there might be a blowback for people going, we don't care if you kneel or stand or have this on your helmet. Well, or I think it's already just... happening. Like the front offices of these organizations are getting too big compared to the actual reason why they're there. Well, f- for instance, yesterday, and, and this, this kind of bothered me about yesterday because um, I was going through the Twitter thing and something was going around where every single ball player kneeled yesterday before their, uh, during a moment of silence before the national anthem, you know, the little fine print. I don't, think, I don't think the average person cares. They just want to watch the game. But there was a manufactured outrage from the right or from elements of the right to say they were kneeling, just give up baseball because they're un American. And every in this had this picture of them all kneeling. So it was designed to go, okay, they were kneeling during the national anthem, screw them all. And, and of course, it was a moment of silence. And I, first of all, I don't care if you kneel during the anthem or not, but I mean, this thing was conveyed as during the anthem, and you had to read past the headline down to it was an actual moment of silence where kneeling is darned appropriate. I mean, it's only going to get worse from now. Well, for other because it's just, when you say worse, which way are you going? That more and more people, no, the, the I, jersey. I mean, all it takes is like one player to do something completely like irrational and you're gonna be like oh great do we have to follow this or do we have because now we have to second guess ourselves every time because no one listened to kaepernick in the nfl so it's like and that's helpful. now what do we do but you have like the jersey thing remember the first 24 hours of you could have your new jersey made up when you could say f the police but not say uh, free hong kong um on it and the, they they changed that of course that was an algorithm some idiot put that up ready no i told you i, I kind of predicted that the the uh, washington redskins <laughs> who have their the name Washington name. football team. The, you yeah. actually called that, didn't you? Yeah, and I was like, you know what's going to happen is their their fans are going to show up when they're opening. They're going to wear the Redskins stuff. And then I guarantee you the NFL is going to get pressure to ban all Redskin clothing. And so it's like, I have this jersey, though. And it's like, no, nah, you're, you're out of here. Like, you got to change your shirt. Because, I mean, if they're really going to change the name and be supportive, they need to say, hey, if you have a Redskins jersey, bring it in. We'll exchange it for a new one. Like to me, that's jersey buyback program. Well, I mean, if you're if you're trying if you're telling me trade your jerseys for guns. If you're telling me the representation of that symbol or whatever is a racist thing, it's like we're changing our name. They're committing to it. It's like commit to it. Well, then. yeah. Well, the whole name change is them saying we have a racist name. Yeah. Therefore, it, the, it, by not, extension, we can't allow racist property in our game. So you're absolutely right. There may be you're not allowed to come into our stadium. I can totally see it. And you know, this one guy has been a fan for seventy years or whatever. Dad, Poppy taught him how to play football to the watching the Washington 
Redskins. It's like, this is my history, and now you're telling me I can't wear my jersey that my grandfather well, gave me? You know, all Is that there going to be a tipping point that people just say, can't we just play sports mm. again? Can't we just watch a play again? Well, it's happening now, and people realize it's so boring because there's no fans. So they're like, oh. Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, that's, I'm telling you, the weekend after Election Day, that's when magically the world, it's going to be okay I love to reopen conspiracy the world. conspiracy theory. I'm on the record right now. Well, for, for, for most rational people when it comes to this topic about sports, um, most rational people, I think, uh, see through all of yeah. that, right? Like, I, I'm somebody who, I mean, I served in the military. I'm a veteran, and, and I wore a uniform and fought for this country just so people could kneel during the national anthem if they chose to protest that way. Um, you know, whether I personally choose to do something like that is my choice. I may not um, agree with but, you, but I'll defend to but, the death your right to do it. But that's why I fought, and that's why you know I, I love this country, quite frankly, uh, because that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And and when we get people that continually try to change the narrative, then then that that's what invokes all the problems that we have, right? And so, and I saw plenty of headlines you know, about what, exactly what you were talking about. I'd see the kneeling, and then I'd see in the small little print underneath, you know, before the national anthem. Um, you know, and of course, I don't care. I mean, I didn't care. I wouldn't care either way if they decided to do it or not, right? And yeah, some people yeah. say, oh, they should leave it out of, you know, sports or whatever. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is, for, for, for any kind of large systemic change to happen in this country, um, you know, we, we can't just... People can't just turn a blind eye to it and say, oh, I don't want to see it. Because if, if you don't see it, it's never going to change. You're never going to... Statues! You know, Sorry, there was a sneeze. You're never going to promote change, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, I have my opinions about statues, yeah, too. Yeah, and I think we probably agree. Right? And, I was and, being glib. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, I, I think that the majority of statues, depending on who they are and the person that the statue is, you know, it, it may not... Maybe it shouldn't be on federal property or public property right put it in a museum just because you take a statue down and put it in a museum you know doesn't doesn't end history um you know i i look at germany right i have a lot of relatives in germany my grand my grandmother's from germany my dad was born in germany my grandmother was a teenager during world war ii and hitler's regime you know she was the oldest daughter in a family of 12 they ran every day to the bomb shelters because they lived a block away from an airplane factory just outside of nuremberg and so, you know, she's got a lot of stories to tell, and she certainly understands, you know, what, what it looked like in those days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at wh- how Germany handled Nazi stuff mm-hmm. when the war was over. And, 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 and it's not my way or the highway. It's not there was one right answer. It was there were certain things that, that the Nazi regime built that they knew was, you know, impractical to, to remove all of those things because there were so many buildings built, um, huge buildings, right, government buildings uh, that had Nazi symbols all over them. And, you know, things like obviously the concentration camps, right? They didn't tear down every single concentration camp. Um, but, but I can tell you, for, for the most part, you're not going to go around Germany in a public place and find a statue of Hitler somewhere. Mm. You're, you're just not going to find it. But what they did do for the things that they did leave that was impractical to kind of get rid of, the, uh, you know, they, they put that in their educational curriculum where the students, when they go to school, part of their curriculum is at some point during their schooling, they go to those places mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. learn about the history of those places. And, and, and that's, you know, I, I see nothing wrong with 
adopting something of that nature because it's not take everything away because it's impractical to take everything away. Um, but we shouldn't have, you know, a ton of stuff just there because and, and then try to hide behind and say, well, we can't erase history. Well, it's not erasing history if you if you put it in the right place and you make sure that the educational system uh, maintains teaching about that, which is another whole issue we can get into because mm-hmm. our educational system doesn't teach history. <laughs> we'll go into anymore. hour four next. <laughs> if I if I may, because I was being glib earlier and I didn't really mean to be. It was just me being, I know, it was me being me. <laughs> I largely agree with you um, for that very purpose. I, I grew up all over the world, so, you, you know, I understand the different cultures and remembrances and what it's like to be on the losing side of a war and how do you commemorate that or not. My issues with the just... I got to say the wanton just because you're you're seeing abolitionist statues being torn down because it's just it's the mob lack of education, lack of education (laughs) that statues to me, for the most part. And by the way, my wife says hi to you, but she's yet to say hi to me. So I'm just going to (laughs) let that hang there. Hopefully you saw her. That was very nice. Yeah, I saw her her delicately sleeping form this morning as I left for the show. (laughs) Uh, Statues are memorials and they're art. For the most part. Now, of course, there are other things. Every bust, every, every... To tear down art because it offends you or because if it's place in a history that is less than what you want it to be is dangerous. I'm all for, yeah, there are places for it to be. You don't put Reuben nudes outside a courthouse. You just don't. You know, there's decorum, if nothing. Sure. Decorum and common sense. And unfortunately, there's no law against either one of those. So, yeah, I think instead of throwing them in the harbor, which is what's been happening, or just the mayor of Columbus, Ohio, authorizing the removal of the statue of Columbus outside the Columbus courthouse because it's racist, you know, it's, again, that's the knee-jerk reaction that, okay, where did it go? Yeah. And that it is— You're going to commit, commit, right? Like, change everything. There needs to be (laughs) a glut of national— Museums of Remembrance? So, uh, Europe, you mean like the Huntsville Prison Museum? I think every major area should have, and you know, I'll say, hey, you know, throw federal money at it, a museum for that state and its history for good or ill where the statues can go, where you take the schools there for their school field trips and say, this poopy head was responsible for the deaths of so so forth and so on. In Europe and many places around the U.S. is one of the few places we, that does not have Remembrance Day. We should build a statue of Santa Ana and see what people do about that. Well, that's the whole thing. You know, you'll have Let's the far right just going, you know, not the far right, you'll have the right going ape on that. As they say, we'll keep the Let's statues up. With that big hat and everything. Yeah, and great looking of course, statue. you've always got your yahoos for every, you know, all religions are equal. Let's put up a statue of Satan. Then you know it just I like that, it gets though. all. There's That's always fun. idiots that want to. Every warning label is due to a lawsuit. In, a, in other words, for every right there has in the Bill of Rights or whatever, there's gonna be some Yahoo that says, "Well, this wasn't in it, so I'm gonna carry an AK-47 into a Starbucks." You know, where again, common sense and decorum say you shouldn't. I'm concerned about the wanton tearing down, and especially on a mayoral or gubernatorial level agreement of just get it out of sight there needs to be a repository for these things so they're there's not a down danger. i mean they're made out of no, stuff no 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 well some of them i mean i imagine they're not very well made so do we decide what art 
is well made or not. What we keep because once yeah. you start tearing down art that offends you, where do you, that's that's where the dragons lie. Not everything's a slippery slope. But as I was saying the other day to uh, intern Arthur, you can't pick and choose who you know. If there's a if there's a law, you can't pick and choose. Well, not you because you got to bring me food, so you don't have to lock down and you don't have to lock down. It's either they do do that. No, by law, establish a law that targets only certain industries. Or, I'm pretty sure or, we've probably done that. No, no, no. Yeah, but you're talking in the context. Let's say, okay, I didn't want to get on this, to- this topic. I'm pretty sure we've But as an that. example, let's say the president somehow establishes a total lockdown of, all, of everything. Stay at home for the next four weeks. Oh, okay. four weeks. Four weeks. That's no one can do anything. My first question is, okay, how do we eat? Well, we get people to deliver the food. Then that's an and how do they get the food and who grows the food and who prepares the food? Robots, There's dude. Five major, so you can't have a I've law. I've already got your answers, robots. So you, you, your law can't say, okay, everyone has to lock down except for the food deliverers and, and the it's all or nothing. Well, I think that. that also kind of gives you a, a kind of a reason what's going on today is people are going to start being frustrated with what's going on. Start being. <laughs> and... And I, I think like a lot of the a lot of the things, especially people's responses today, it's like they don't really know the average person is not going to these protests and throwing things like that's not the average person. The aver- I think the average person was in Houston, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's the, how it, that's how to do a protest. And I think the average person too just wants to to get back some normalcy in their life, and that might be like when my normalcy was bowling. Or my normalcy might be uh, going back to my job in minus, person. Minus theater. And yeah, so I got like, like, to get theater. When are we going to go back to normal? When that's when everyone has their different level of like, mm-hmm. uh, we're back to normal. Um, but I also think a lot of people have changed their perspective about what they do in their lives. What's important, maybe? Yeah. Kind of a priority shift. And I, I agree. You know, we're all forced to kind of look at ourselves. And I think there's a huge honking global soul search going on a lot of us may not like what they're seeing yeah i mean i don't really know i've i've I've, i don't know if i've changed that much before or after but you become much more engaged in the political arena that's because it's forced on me you betcha (laughs) i will will shove that down your throat like a dagwood sandwich but see what's great when i talk to my friends and family i always make jokes and i'm trying to make a joke at every opportunity where but uh apparently there's some lines now (laughs) because <laughs> I've been crossing them about both Trump and Hillary and all this kind of stuff, and I was just like, "Why can't I just have fun with this?" No, you can't anymore. You can't make I can't make fun of COVID at all. I got in big trouble last night with my wife, uh, which she's a nurse. You may want to keep away from right. healthcare jokes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, trust me. I'm, I'm. Hey, I'm loving that Hulu <laughs> is actually putting together this TV show called Rodham. And it's an alternate reality show where is that her Hillary, middle name? Is that her middle name? Yeah, it's her, it's her, it's her maiden name. Maiden. And oh, okay. that this is going to be an alternate reality show where she never met Bill and ran for president. Oh wait, she and, never met Bill? Yeah, and then yeah. somehow she run, run, no no no. Basically, what her life would have been if she'd never met Bill Clinton. It's an alternate reality show, and my my, my response is, well, I guess it's oh, I know that show. That's the one where Jeffrey Epstein was still alive. Oh. Okay, couldn't resist myself. I like it. I mean, that, that kind of that kind of stuff's wild though. And I, those are always kind of fun as a screenwriter or whatever to write. Oh, also, like, yeah, all here, history things are great. Because I don't really know that much history. I know Arkansas is where they're from. Is she, uh, where she's from. He's from. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I've never felt compelled to learn about their personal history. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I love about when we get presidents. It's like everyone needs to know exactly where they came from and everything. Like we, yeah, absolutely. you're right. Well, I think that's what, so that's what I love about Hollywood. It's like I try to watch. There's, there's, there was at least two Obama movies. One about their relationship. And I was like, it's too bad this movie isn't good. It's like it's either because the source material wasn't very good and they couldn't like how far can we go to spruce it up? Or it was just like I was like, this is this is just a I'm always suspect of a docudrama or a biography movie of someone who's still alive. Yeah. And that guy, I mean, political or not, the Selena movie, you got these scenes where Edward James almost, she's a beauty, she's an angel. It doesn't show the fights that happen or stuff yeah. like that, you know. So I'm always suspect of, of those. But speak, speaking of, of, you know, politics, we have a politician in the studio with us. That's true. Yeah. You're Jason. running for Texas Senate District 4? That's right. <gasps> I put links for I'm people. I'm so proud of you. He's getting better. Yeah. I, right? I'm telling you, I, I love this man. And uh, you can find all information about that in the description because I put all the links to your social media and your Jay, website. Jay, what's, what's the jurisdiction and scope of that office? Texas. <laughs> Texas, right? <laughs> well, I mean... Oh, some parts of Mexico. The Texas Senate, right? There's 31 senators okay. in the state of Texas. It's split up into 31 districts. Um, again, you know, districts are all made around, at least at the time they're made, population, right? They take the population and they divide it by 31 and, um, and they try to keep. And so if it gets bigger, they may add just like Congress can do, right? Mm-hmm. They can add more seats. Um, depending on population requirements. And, um, I mean, you're part of the Texas legislature, and that's basically how Texas, much like the nation, that's how Texas creates laws and passes laws. And um, budget, you know, they, they, they uh, approve the budget for Texas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you have, you know, obviously you have a district, and just like any other elected position, you, you, you know, if you get elected, you're elected to represent the people in that district and, and that's here so if listeners are in montgomery county so most of montgomery county most, so who if, what areas in montgomery county will i not see your name yeah so senate district four uh the northern part is basic basically 105 and all of conroe and then south mm-hmm. okay the rest of Montgomery. so if you live county. above 105 that's kind of like you might may or may that's not senate that's district, the dmz that's senate district three okay um and so and montgomery's a little weird they carve montgomery out so even though it's south of 105, it's actually Senate District 3, not Senate District 4. <laughs> um, but it goes all the way south in Montgomery County. It includes uh, the— Are these the same district's lines that they're always in contention, the redrawing? It's one of them. Okay. I mean, it's certainly one of them. I mean, and then— it, So no congressional district lines are more— They're a little— Down crazy. to the block, but they're, they're, this is— Well, these do the same thing okay. in certain areas. Um, and it includes the portion of the woodlands that's in Harris County. And then if you go to the eastern side, it, it goes down through Kingwood and then basically oh, down wow. along the ship channel, a little sliver oh, right. of Harris County to, to get into Chambers County. And then it's all of Chambers County, all of Jefferson County, and Bolivar Peninsula and Galveston County. That's so so cool. that, that's not only that's geographically, good, yeah, but also That's emotion. a good mix of people. I was about to say, not just geographically, but you, you, know, you have your, your ship channel people who are heavy petrochemical industry mm-hmm. related compared to the more rural aspects. Sure. Uh, so you've got to be like pretty well-rounded to handle that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting t- district line. Yeah. I'll say that much, but, but. Where's the main office? What do you mean? Do you have like. Where's, di- where would JHQ be? 
Yeah. Like right now, or if I got elected? If you got elected. Well, I think really you would you get to choose. You'd have to have more than one like office, in my opinion. I mean, you'd have like to have, a pied de terre in to, Paris. To me, you'd have to have an office in in Montgomery County, and you'd need to have an office. So there's no on set the like eastern side of the district. Oh, I thought you got like right? a building. I thought like it's kind of like the governor's Dick's mansion. Hope, yeah, I was about to yeah, say Dick's yeah, hoping no. for the senator's mansion. Yeah, and that's not it. You don't get that. Your your mansion is your own home. <laughs> I guess. Oh well, man, that's a good. That's your a good home is your castle. That's a good perspective. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty diverse district, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's got a lot of different people in it. I mean, different uh, thought processes. Uh, obviously, people living in certain areas have, you know, they, they care about things different from well, how somebody else might care about things. Now's the time for your education plea for star so, testing and stuff like that. Well, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously one of the one of the things that we need to deal with in Texas is, is, is public education funding from the state level. Um, but but what goes along with that is, you know, star testing is a great example, right? Like I've, I've told people from... <laughs> For a long time that, you know, I'm not opposed to standardized testing. I took standardized tests when I was in school. But they didn't bear the weight and soul that, you know, we've put on these kids in, in our schools in, in Texas. And, I you know, quite frankly, I find it ridiculous that that's how we grade people or how we grade well, schools or I, I how we grade Im- school districts or how we grade students. I think it's ridiculous. I always imagine they're prompt with the task of, like, how do we manage our funds and how do we distribute it? And that one guy not thinking, he's like, just give him a test. And like that was my sense like, on standardized testing because again I, I uh, for the most part agree with you I I'm firmly a, I'd rather see them gone than be here but if they were going to be here standardized test to me is only effective at like the beginning of whatever range you're talking about the elementary school where it's to determine the level of that particular student and what they may need to have extra or or, improved or that they're already there. And from that, you you establish where they are. Instead of assuming everyone needs to be taught the same thing at this rapid pace at the end to say, did did Bobby catch up with Susie? Uh, Are they doing the SAT and stuff still? Yeah. So why don't you just base it off that? Because, I mean, you want everyone to go to college. So it's like you're starting your standard, your SAT t- teaching right now. But think at- about the pressure on – I took the SAT when I was 14 or 15. There was an Air Force base in, in England, Greenham Common, that I just – Too much information. Yeah. We don't care. Well, people say, how could you take the SAT when you never went to American high school? Like, I, you're mm-hmm. just a nomad, so I, mean, I just assume you took it somewhere. Like, it could be like a truck stop bathroom. It was Greenham like. Common. I remember because there were always the anti-nuke demonstrators there for like years on end. They never left. I wondered how they got funded. Now I know. Uh, but How did they get funded? How do you know? They weren't on their own. You know, when you protest, you can be a professional protester and receive money from like manna from heaven. It comes from mysterious forces above you. And pays for your food and deodorants. Although uh, the deodorant was a big part of their budget. But yeah, if we're still serves. doing SAT testing for higher education. At some point near the end, you need to determine. It, I, I don't mind there being the SAT, but if you have the SAT, what do you need the stars and the taxes for? To, to get you mentally prepared, you're going to take a test that's going to change the yeah. focus point of your life. I, I'm telling you right now that all. To me, this testing is, is, is more dollar-based than it is anything else. It's mm-hmm. not about judging how smart kids are. It's not about judging how good school districts are. It's ineffective. It's, That's what I'm saying. It's, it's about money. It's ineffective. It doesn't work. Um, but a lot of money is made. Oh, yeah. Well, to have it at the end of whatever school year you're at, especially when you, like, jump years, it's ineffective to determine how smart a kid is because it's assuming – that they've all ended the same way, but they don't care how well, they started off. It also assumes that everyone's on an equal playing field, which is absolutely not true. Yeah. Well, so would you, I mean, I could see have a test at the beginning of the, each year 
just to see like that's what, my point like, how you are level wise. Well, that's why I said again, I'm <clears throat> yeah. not opposed to a standardized test, but that standardized test should not be the judge of how good you are, how yeah. good your school is. Yeah. That is where I think they've gone totally awry with star testing. They should all base it off your football team. Right. Is it star tax? Am I getting them backwards? Did tax become star? Or did this... Star. It's called the star. Exam. Okay, so it used to be called the TAKS. And they Do you take that in high school too? You take all it the way, all yeah. the way through, even at like grade twelve. Yeah, interesting. Okay, you can't graduate without passing your final round because what they would do this year it would be these two or three subjects, and then the next year it wouldn't be those; it would be these two or three subjects, and it would kind of rotate rotate around. But I want to see, you know, I want to see, you know, teachers teach, not yeah. teach to a test, teach kids, because not every kid learns the same way. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're not all at the same level as much as some people would like to think they are. And, and different kids learn differently. I mean, you know, some, some, you know, some kids can be great standardized test takers. They just, they're good at them. Mm-hmm. Some, some kids can... Some kids can pay other people to be well, great standardized s- test takers. Well, and some kids can be really intelligent, but they're just not good test takers, especially a standardized test. Yeah, there are geniuses so out there that can't spell for beans. It's just, I Thank mean, you. for it's instance, a, it's a terrible judge of, mm-hmm. of how good anything is. And then, you know, and of course, now we put letter grades on school districts. And I, like I mean, it. it's, it's just ridiculous what we've come to, right? We've, we've lost the premise of what uh, public education needs to be. And I, you've heard me say this a million times, but, you know, the, the, the cornerstone and of a good democracy is an educated population and our public education system should be at the forefront of our thoughts and making sure we have curriculums that number one teach actual history of our country as dirty and ugly as it is the real history of this country needs to be taught not the disney version definitely not the disney version which yeah. is exactly well, you saying pocahontas didn't go down exactly like the cartoon do. I think the second Pocahontas went down exactly like what really happened. And, and we also need to to make sure that, you know, our whole life is, you know, in, in secondary education is not focused at you need to go to college, you need to go to college. Because not every kid wants to go to college. Not every kid needs to go to college. I mean, you know, vocational programs, which were prevalent when I was in school um, decades ago, <laughs> Um, what happened and, to those? And, and they've they, we've back. lost them, right? And and the problem is, is that, you know, if I if I look back on life right now and I go, hmm, what would I want to do differently? I mean, I wouldn't choose to do anything differently in my life. But the bottom line is, <laughs> I would. I mean, for me, the bottom line is, gosh, when I look around today, I'm going, man, you know, what would I do if I if I really didn't want to go to college? Because I did as a kid, right? I wanted mm-hmm. to go to college. I I came from a poor family. I had to figure out. I I had no clue how I was going to do it. Yeah. We didn't have money. Um, but you know, I look at today and I go, man, I'd be a plumber. I'd be an electrician because if you're a plumber and electrician right now, go call your, go call somebody to try and get a plumber or electrician to your house. Well, is, is the governor telling me I can go help people? <laughs> so can plumbers come to people's houses? <laughs> yes. I'm totally serious. I'm just, I'm just asking. Well, yes. Yeah, but okay. they make a so, boatload. So my point is, is that, you know, these are trades, you know, welding, I mean, you know, Back in the day, they were sneered upon. There's just this automatic assumption. Again, especially with my English education, just the assumption you're going to university and 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 these folks. I can guarantee these folks. You go through the you know schooling and the, get your certifications. I mean, you're making more money than a college graduate mm-hmm, is making. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and so, you know, we need to, we need to change that focus from everyone. You have to go to college or you can, there won't be anything, which is just not true. And the cost of college is getting, I mean, it's so astronomically outrageous today, the cost of, of higher education. I mean, I, I was very fortunate. I mean, <laughs> I got paid to go to school and I had no debt when I left school. Um, you know, but not everybody can, you know, obviously not everybody can go <laughs> to a service academy, they don't have enough seats for everybody. But my point is, 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 is that higher education is so outrageously expensive today, especially if you compare it to, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it's out, far past what it should ever cost to, 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 to get in higher education. If you choose, and that's a path you want to take. I mean, there's no reason that you should leave a four-year university with, you know, $150,000 of, of debt. I mean, it, it, that just shouldn't happen. Well, there, just so you can have a piece of paper the that level might of have a school with a certain name. That's on always it. what bothered me about college was like the, the, how many credits you needed to get that piece of paper. Because I remember sitting there after I think I was there for two years. I was like, I could have gotten this done in two and a half years <laughs> if I knew how the system worked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's crazy. Like they did not tell you that. They don't tell you anything. It's like we want you to be here as long as possible. It's almost yeah. the way they built it. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And uh, I, yeah, I think that's probably one of the big overhauls that needs to happen is what is required to actually get an undergraduate degree. To, because most people who get their undergraduate look for further learning, or they're just that's their first thing they think that their resume needs, and then mm-hmm. they go out to the workforce. Well, very few doctorates are out there are worried about what's on their resume. I feel it's more their pursuit of the knowledge or yeah. the topic. Masters, unless it's an MBA, I think is just but, not germane to a resume. Well, a lot of the vocational stuff to me, especially like me growing up, you, there there really wasn't a presence in my community for it. Meaning, like they didn't go to the school, they didn't have, like I think beauty shop was pretty much the only thing I knew. They actively got involved with schools, saying you can start this at eighteen. Or you can start before mm-hmm. 18, you can get licensed at 18. So you can technically start 17, but by the time you're done with school, you you got the certificate. Mm-hmm. Because outside that, colleges were the ones hitting really hard mm-hmm. of like, what is what you need to do with your life? And plus the Army and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, But like with the welding and stuff, I feel like that's very uh, proximity-driven. So if you live in a town that has that vocational, it's very heavy. Like up here in Connor, yeah, because there's a lot of fabrication plants mm-hmm. all around Montgomery County. But like in Houston, there was just everything. But I lived in, I, I graduated in spring. So there really wasn't, I mean, the really the biggest push was the Army stuff because that's, because Klein High School and all of them were over there. But I didn't really sense the vocational outlet pathway for people. Sure. Again, yeah, it was very near promote Connor. it. Yeah. Jay, if I may, because I want to take what you said kind of a half step further. Um, I believe that the, was underclass, is that what you, in America you call when you graduate high school? Is that K through 12? Is, it's like secondary education. Or, yeah, okay, your secondary education. Its sole purpose should be to prepare you for the real world. Mm-hmm. That when you graduated at 18, you were fully stocked, knowing how to balance a checkbook, iron a shirt, cook I a think meal. you're doing that. <laughs> rebuild think, a car no you know what i'm saying a lot of the uh, uh vocational workshop or auto shoppers they, they tend to be gone right there with the arts so with your stance on standardized testing which i think we agree on if it shows if, if you do testing beforehand to where you see where a student is at that time mm-hmm. 
what does that mean for the classes on having separate classes for different skill levels? I'm not suggesting segregation by any stretch, but is that the, they I already would, do that though with AP classes. But that's the normal and the the no, gifted normal. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And here's the thing: my daughter is whip sharp, but we never allowed her to take an AP class. It was just undue pressure, in our opinion. You just work at your pace. Uh, so whatever. we built challengers in my family. <laughs> right. Well, and same and same with me. But there will be you know kids who are just slower or just not not every kid can play football. So same, so educational, you know, intellectual football. Not every kid can be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So do we kind of rearrange the classes to where you can have specialized classes on different levels? And what's what's the practicality well, of that? Well, I think it depends. I mean, I think it depends. I mean, you know, again, there is no one right answer when it comes to public education at, at, mm-hmm. at any level, right? Because, again, no, no two students are exactly the same. No two students are going to learn the same. Um, you know, and teachers, teachers are creative teachers, oh, yeah. you know, teachers like a challenge. Um, and, and, you know, it's, uh, there's an investment that has to be made. And, and that investment is not just the teacher. That investment is not just the student. You know, the truth is the investment needs to be in the household as well. I mean, it's, well, that's what's so, not like parents can wash their hands of all this. They play a role mm-hmm. in, in every kid's, uh, education. And, um, you know, I, I certainly don't think we should go, well, you're the stupid one, so go in that room. Yeah, I'm not saying. Right? <laughs> well, um, but, but, but a lot of times, I mean, a lot of times, you know, what you can find, too, is that students that may have a little bit of a challenge in, in learning, uh, they'd probably, in certain circumstances, do a lot better with peer help more so than adult help. I'm saying being in the right? class environment that is conducive to, we understand everyone's not, at the same level of intelligence and all those things, but we want everyone to try to have a certain baseline, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and to you know and to promote you know students helping students to to get to that baseline if there are students that are below it and students that aren't challenged as much, right? They're you know they have intelligence, higher intelligence, and it just isn't a challenge for them. You know, well maybe those folks can be challenged by trying to help somebody who does struggle with trying to learn to, to get to the baseline because maybe, you know, maybe the adult isn't saying something or doing something that triggers something in that student, right? I mean, there's, to me, that's all part of the classroom environment that the teachers can be involved in, right? And, you know, I know we're kind of not talking about COVID times right now, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, and to think about it, those, those students that struggle, I mean, they're going to struggle probably even more doing distance learning, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to, they're really, you know, there's a challenge. I, like I said, so it's hard to engage well, that, them that in the, would in be the classroom. fear today is the quality a, of education. You were like, not even kids, but like if you're a, an adult going to college, like, am I really paying this much money to? Well, just yesterday, uh, the missus and I, we're wanting to get her back into, in, into university. So we're, uh, I called some. Uh, on my laptop, this is funny. On my laptop, I searched like inexpensive online places like Purdue and right here, and sent, sent them out. My Facebook feed, starting this morning, every third thing is this university and this university, yeah. and it's like, guys, it's not for me. Send yeah. it to her. Um, but yeah, looking at the the cost of this online is not, you, you know, the. I think when online universities first came out, they were kind of viewed with the kind of contempt that vocational schools mm-hmm. used to be. It's blue collar. You can't afford a real university. But now they're like, you're, I'm, I would be paying just as much for this as I did at University of St. Thomas, yeah. private university 30 years ago. 
Well, and again, you know, so, so there's so many things that tie into public education. And of course, we talk about public education, but again, it ties into property tax, the property taxes mm -hmm. we pay. We can't forget about, you know, part of that property tax burden we have is, is also kind of tied to the appraisal districts and mm -hmm. how they appraise your properties and, and, and then how your tax rates are set by your local uh, taxing authorities. You know, we can't forget about health, public health. I mean, I'm not talking about just COVID-19, but I'm just talking public health in general. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge advocate that Texas should expand Medicaid. I, I just believe it's the right thing to do, and I think we're silly to not do it at this point. I mean, there's only 13 states, and we're one of them, that haven't done it in the nation. And all of the fear-mongering that went out years ago about expanding Medi Medicaid uh, have all been debunked. I mean, it has shown that most all those states they actually increase revenue and when it comes to uncompensated like medical care because you know people that are uninsured typically tend to go to emergency rooms to get their general health care and of course they can't afford to pay for it so it goes unpaid well somebody pays for it mm. um, so so we find that by able being able to insure uh, more people through the medicaid program that are low income and qualify for it that we have less of this uncompensated medical care that goes around which also in turn allows more uh, rural hospitals and, and health care clinics to stay open and stay afloat you know texas is number one in the number of rural health care uh, clinics and hospitals that have closed their doors in the nation we're number one in the number of uninsured texans we have in the country as far as residents of our state you know and these these are not the part these are not the lists we want to be on the top of right and, and, and we we rank near the bottom in public education you know that's not where you want to be when it comes to public education so so we really have to make some some choices and we already sit uh, you know in a position where the next legislative session that starts in january you know there's already a projected five billion dollar hole with COVID 19 and the the reduction of revenue that's coming into mm -hmm. the state and how are they going to deal with that i can tell you the last time we had you know a reduction of revenue somewhere in the neighborhood of that type of money uh, they slashed public education six plus billion dollars mm -hmm. and you saw where that put us <laughs> And so if we think the same thing's not going to happen again, you know, we better open our eyes. Oh, the and, statewide and, illiteracy. I used to work for the Mayor's Literacy Coalition, and the statewide illiteracy rate is just, we ranked 47 out of 50. Yeah. And it just, well, uh, well, we, we for need adult you, illiteracy. Well, we need to get Jay back in. Yeah, we're running out. more about running for de uh, Senate District 4 for Texas. A quick question with a quick answer. Yeah. You're elected day one. What Stilberg bill is the first one that's on your agenda? Hey, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I've said from the beginning, I mean, from, to me, one of the most passionate things that as far as the health of Texans that we need to do is I, I want to see Medicaid expansion in Texas. Okay. There's so many other things I want to see. It's not the only thing, but I think it would affect so many people and it would have such a positive impact on the state, um, you know, both from a financial standpoint and from a healthcare standpoint. I just think it's silly that we haven't done it. And, and I think a lot of people agree with me and it's become too political. Right. The whole topic of Medicaid expansion yeah. has become way too political and not actually looking at the data and facts behind the case. OK, we'll see. Well, mine, cool. mine is education. So you got elected. Warm the place up for me in a few years. I'll run. And then yeah, we'll, you're we'll, really we'll, win we'll with go. all your hot, hot takes. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the color of jealousy does not look good on you. On your dick. And then we'll, then I'll handle education. You handle the Medicaid. and We'll kind of meet in the middle. Of sure. It. OK, there we go. Well, you've been listening to Dick and Skippy. We had Jay Silver in the studio. I encourage if you're just now tuning in, uh, check out our podcast, YouTube and also Facebook to listen and watch the show. If you missed it, we'll be back on Monday here on Dick and Skippy in the mornings. Always looking for guests. Uh, Dick at uh, Dick and Skippy Please at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> 
No, I think, I mean, we have some quality levels. You know, we can only accept certain types of people. Like, do you speak English? Because I will not be able oh, to. Oh, that's just profiling I right won't there. be able to speak with you. I think that'd be a fun show. Is get someone with a completely foreign, like I get like anybody in here that does not yeah, speak a lick of English. Lower I try to, I try to talk to them. I'm like, how do I do this? How do I do this? If uh, if if you speak any Slavic tongue, please. Well, ASL would be great. I get that in. I, can, I think I can get like a grasp of ASL. Uh, <laughs> You're so cute when you say that. <laughs> well, Cindy, we get Cindy Cochran in here. She does ASL. Ten fifty seven. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio. We'll be back on Monday with Dick and Skippy in the mornings. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com. For those of you who...